so high right now. Anything's possible. Oh my mama! Oh my mama made it, ma! Anything's possible! Rain and Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. Whatever it is that you're doing, wherever you're going right now, however you decide to listen to the show or watch on YouTube, I want to thank you for including me in the Locked On Celtics podcast. As part of your day, I'm John Corrales. I cover the team for the Boston Sports Journal, and I am the author of the Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, a book now available on websites everywhere where books are sold and on my personal website, johncorrales.com, if you are looking for a signed copy. Today's podcast is all about Jalen Brown, who is done for the season with a torn ligament in his left hand. And this is an injury that I saw. uh, I don't know exactly when it happened, but it's been bothering him for a while. And in that lost Oklahoma City, I, I tweeted about it a couple times because he'd been really flexing that wrist. And he had done it beforehand, but I didn't make much mention of it because sometimes you just get a thing where your wrist starts to hurt and whatever, you fall funny and it goes away. But in that OKC, OKC game, it really kind of started to show itself a lot more. It was very obvious that he was hurting. And it turns out that that was a torn Ligament. So in the first segment, what does this mean for Jalen Brown? In the second segment, what does this mean for the team? And in the third segment, who the Celtics should be starting in his place? This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app. Join me this week. It's Friday afternoon on Locker Room. I always do it on Fridays. I'll try to plan a specific time, probably around noon, 1 o'clock on Friday. So get in the action. Locker Room is changing the way we talk about Sports. Jalen Brown's injury is called a scaphalonate torn ligament. Okay, a torn scaphalonate ligament in his left hand. And what's the first thing that we all do when we hear? We're like, oh, well, let's Google what this is. And first of all, this is the second time we've had to Google this because this is the same injury that Romeo Langford suffered in his right wrist. So it's a a ligament that holds two small bones in your wrist together. And the wrist is a very complicated joint. There are a lot of different bones. There are a lot of different ligaments in there. And there's a lot of little things that can go wrong. And it turns out that this uh, scaphalonate ligament is a common injury when people fall. And basketball players are are falling all the time. And so this type of injury is not uncommon for a basketball player or an athlete bracing your fall, that's going to happen. So Romeo Langford, we, we know he was out for about five months. Then he got COVID, so he's out for another month. But the return from the injury was about five months or so 
from his surgery. Now, Jalen's going to get surgery later this week, and I don't know if we're going to hear from him beforehand or not, but the the timeline for him is, is I don't know if it's going to be the same or different than Romeo Langford. There's a very key difference in Romeo's injury and Jalen's injury in that Romeo's was in his right hand, his shooting hand, and Jalen's is in his left hand, his non-dominant hand. So shout out Max Letterman who uh, from NBC Sports Bossman who made sure that I wasn't disrespecting his, his lefty finishes, so it's his non-dominant hand. His non-shooting hand, okay, non-dominant hand. He shoots with his left plenty. So shout out to you, Max. The difference is, though, with, with the shooting hand, obviously when you're shooting, you're snapping your wrist a lot, and that's the motion that you're going to have that injury. So by constantly shooting, you're going to have to really work to get back and, and build that strength back up so you can shoot the ball the way you normally shoot the ball. The left hand, yeah, you're still shooting the ball uh, from time to time, but it's, it's not quite as labor-intensive as working back through your shooting hand. There's a comfort level. There's a psychological level there. So it's possible that Jalen Brown's time frame for return will be much less than, or somewhat less than Romeo Langford. Again, I'm not a doctor, but I'm just working off of things that I've read, things that I've experienced from, from injuries, things I know from my own. I've never suffered anything like this, but I know that when you're working back from something to your, your dominant side, it's just going to become a, it's just going to be a little bit more difficult. So, uh, it's possible that there might be a, a little bit less of a recovery time for the non-dominant hand versus the dominant hand. But look, it boils down to people are different and it's, it's not really possible to know exactly what this person's timeline is going to be because it certainly could be longer. It could be shorter than anybody anticipated, but the surgery is going to take a significant amount of time. And I would say almost certainly rules him out for anything, no matter how far the Celtics go this season. Am I going to say a hundred percent? I can't because I don't know for sure. I want to say a hundred percent, but I don't, unless the Celtics make the NBA finals and somehow he comes back in July with a big old brace on his left hand. I, I don't even think that's possible, but I think we're looking at a multi-month uh, absence. So I think his season is completely done. I know some people have suggested this online. I, I don't think that that's going to be the case. So if we're looking for good news, bad news, for Jalen Brown, the non-dominant hand thing is is one part of the good news. Uh, the timing is actually, as far as everything goes, let's be real here. This doesn't ruin any real chances that the Celtics have because any chances the Celtics had of making a deep playoff run was a little bit remote and made even more remote with the recent losses to Miami and Chicago. So things are already starting to kind of swirl around the toilet bowl. This, this doesn't like devastate what the Celtics are trying to do. It's certainly, if we're looking bad news, it, it does 
take away the 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 probability of any sort of miraculous run. It does lower that probability for sure. But it's May. The announcement was on May 10th. At some point between now and I would assume he's, they said later this week. So the what? This is the the May 11th show. So the 12th, the 13th, the 14th, somewhere in there. Even if he's out for the five months that Romeo was out for, that puts him back somewhere in October, which is training camp. And he'll he'll probably, I would say, be back near or before training camp. And even in a, a long recovery scenario, let's say there's a complication, let's say there's something that makes it go six months, it doesn't eat into much of the regular season. So even if it goes the high end of the anticipated recovery time, that's what, November? That's not the, that's not the biggest deal in the world. You work them back in in December, January, and it'll be fine for the stretch run. So the timing isn't that bad. This is not going to be an injury that I, I don't think is, is going to be something that, that really becomes chronic. Actually, not doing the surgery is something that could make it do, become a chronic thing because not doing the surgery can lead to arthritis. So that's especially uh, necessary to get the surgery. But it does, on the bad side, eliminate his offseason, his offseason workouts. What, what are those going to be now? And this is really at the heart of why this is a, such a tough blow for Jalen Brown because he's already ascended. Now he was an all-star this year. I mean, he, what did he average? That He ended up with 24.7 points, six rebounds, 3.4 assists, uh, career highs in career high points by, by far, career highs in effective field goal percentage, career high in, in three-point percentage, career high in overall shooting percentage, just overall an amazing season for for Jalen Brown, an all-star season for Jalen Brown. And you just wonder, man, this guy goes and puts in that work in this offseason. What's he going to what's he going to add to his game? What's what's he going to become next season? And losing the offseason is definitely something that hinders him. It takes away from that ability to add to his game. What could he have developed? And and this is a, a crucial time for him because he's, what, 24? He's going to turn 25. Uh, when is his birthday? October. So he's going to turn 25 right around the time that he gets back from the injury. So 25 years old. Obviously, he's got a couple years to go before he enters really his true prime years. So he has a lot of time to still develop, but this could have been just another step that, look, he lost an offseason this past summer. He's losing an offseason now. He still came back, though, with an expanded game. So going back to the plus side, Jalen has, has known, he has shown that he can add stuff in, and grow as a player, even in limited time to to kind of develop there. He can still use his right hand. He can still run. It's a wrist injury. So whenever he recovers and they, they could just keep it in a brace and stabilize that he can still run so he can keep his cardio up. He can do all kinds of other things. He, but he can't lift weights. Obviously that's going to hurt. He's not gonna be able to work on 
both hand dribbling stuff because that's just it, you're not going to be able to involve the wrist in anything. So he's just going to be on the dominant hand. You really want to work on the offhand when you're developing stuff. And but on the plus side, he can shoot, and he's just going to be able to just prop that ball up and get there and shoot, get to the free throw line, work on that form, keep that form tight. That's fine. Maybe there's a silver lining here. Whenever a part of your body is disabled, you can use a different part of your body and maybe you get creative with some of the things that you get to practice. Get out on the floor. Try some hook shots. Why not? Work on that hook shot. Maybe you become, you know, maybe you do what Tommy Heinsohn did. And Tommy Heinsohn was known for a hook shot way, way back in the late 50s. And maybe you add that to your game. Uh, that would be awesome. But you could do that if, if you're if you want to look on the bright side of things. It's possible that you just add something just using your right hand and you figure something else out and you make something of this injury. So that is basically in a nutshell how this injury, I think, impacts Jalen Brown. Um, not devastating, not great, hurts the Celtics. So what does that really, really mean for the team? going to talk about that when I come back. Today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform that is made for sports fans. It's like sports talk radio on your phone, on your device. It is free to, free to download. Once you're in, you get to talk with me, you get to talk with other fans, athletes, insiders. It's all in real time. The way the Locker Room works when I do it, you show up, there's a thing called a stage. You ask to be, you ask to come on stage, and I pull you up just in order of who comes in, and you hop on, and we talk for a couple of minutes, and then the next person steps up. All the while, there's a chat room, and people in the chat room can talk about what we're talking about. We can have, you can ask me questions, you can make comments, we can have a little discussion. It's very cool, casual, it's kind of fun, and if you want to just stay in the chat room chat with other people while this is going on, totally fine, totally up to you. It is the perfect place to start or join the conversation about the NBA. You're going to find fans just like you, passionate fans. You can even create your own watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, all of that stuff. You can chat with me this week. I always do them on Fridays. My username on Locker Room is at John Corrales. Very simple. It's my name, at John Corrales. And you can... Check me out every Friday. So download the free Locker Room app, currently available on all iOS devices. It's available in beta on Android, so it might be a little buggier, but they're working out the kinks. Try it if you're an Android user, but it's definitely there for all iOS devices. Make sure you create a profile, link your Twitter, join the NBA group for latest league updates. Follow me at John Corrales. When my room goes live, you'll know. And of course, I will be tweeting it out every Friday, so I cannot wait to hear all of your thoughts on the Celtics. We'll talk about everything on Friday on Locker Room. See you there. Locker Room is changing the way we talk about sports. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. The Atlanta Hawks beat the Washington Wizards as Russell Westbrook sets a career triple-double record. And now are two and a half games ahead of the Celtics. The 
Hawks have three games left. The Celtics have four. The Celtics need to win out. They need to win their next four games if they're going to have any chance at a five seed. With the Hawks winning, it is basically almost impossible to get to that fourth seed because now the Hawks need to lose their next three games and the Celtics need to win their next four games to get to 39 and 33. The Hawks are 38 and 31. So wait, they have, yeah, they have three games left. So if the Celtics win out and the Hawks lose out, the Celtics will get to 39 and 33. The Hawks will finish at 38 and 34. That would be, so the Celtics could still theoretically catch the Hawks. I say all of this not to to say that I expect the Celtics to do this. I'm talking about what's possible, not what's probable. The Celtics are two games behind Miami now. They need to win on Tuesday night. That's a must-win game for them if they're going to have any hopes of climbing out of the play-in. Any hopes. If they lose, forget it, because they're not going to catch Miami. It's done. Then, But if they do beat Miami, they need Miami to lose once more. Again, the Celtics need to win out. They need to win the next four games. So beat Miami, beat Minnesota, beat Cleveland. I flipped those games. It's beat Cleveland on the back-to-back, then go to Minnesota on Saturday, which would be a Saturday afternoon game, and then go to New York on the back-to-back and play on a Sunday afternoon in New York. So it's not looking good. So this is where the Celtics are. They need the Knicks to lose a few of these games coming up. The Knicks winning on uh, Sunday night was a real tough one for the Celtics. Uh, if the Celtics are going to get anywhere out of the play-in, they just need they need help. Jalen Brown's injury is not going to help that cause. So first things first, they could have used Jalen Brown in this. And it's kind of curious because the Celtics never let on that the wrist was potentially an issue. The, you know, Danny Ainge was saying on the radio last Thursday that he expected to, he expected Jalen to be back for the Sunday game. And so that didn't happen. And now all of a sudden the wrist became the, the big issue. Now, I didn't see what the exact bonus was, but Jalen Brown did get a bonus for getting to 58 games. And that's that's a big deal. And he played the 58 games, and now he's done. And, hey, I'm not going to fault him for trying to get to 58 games and trying to go beyond that. But now this whole thing seemed to be a little bit more surprising. So the Celtics don't have a very key player in this game against Miami. The thing about Miami, as we saw, they've got depth. They can keep coming at you, and they give you a lot of different looks where you see uh, you see them targeting Kemba Walker defensively. Every time the Celtics were switching, they saw it. They sniffed it out. They got Kemba Walker uh, on the post. Then they sent cutters behind and you had to you had to cover those cutters. You had to cut. You had to double uh, Kemba uh, Kemba's guy. You had to double whoever was posting Kemba up. 
And then that left somebody open, and it was generally a three-point shooter. And that led to what we saw in the first half. And so I think obviously not having Jalen Brown hurts the Celtics' chances. Now, it's also possible that they step up, and if you play better, just play better than you did in the first half, you give yourself a chance. The Celtics are still plenty good. They're still good. Even without Jalen Brown, they can figure out a way to win if they play hard from the beginning. But not having Jalen Brown really hurts their chances. That's the most obvious thing I can say. Like, not getting your all-star back just is devastating to the team's chances to try and do anything. Is there a silver lining? Is there a way that the Celtics can recover from this? There is. Sometimes you see it with teams that lose their best player. Knowing that a guy is out for an extended period of time, there is a feeling that can rally a team. And, you know, Bill Simmons used to call it, or probably still calls it, the Ewing theory, where sometimes a team, when they lose their best player or one of their best players, they get better without that guy because all of a sudden, the entire team has to play harder. And you have to make up for that loss in talent by playing better basketball. And now the Celtics still have Tatum, and they still have Kemba, and they still have plenty of talent on the team. But knowing that Jalen Brown isn't coming back, that takes away their second best player this season. And for a large stretch of this season, he was playing, he was their best player. But knowing he's not coming back, they can say, all right, well, now we've really got to focus. And maybe that lack of focus goes away. If there's a silver lining to this, you say, maybe that silver lining is they have to focus. They know that they can't sit there and be like, eh, it doesn't matter if we lose this game because Jalen's coming back. We'll, we'll just win the next four games. We'll, we'll just go on a winning streak. Jalen will come back and we'll go on a winning streak. It'll be fine. There's no Jalen now. And everybody has to step up. And that means playing with the effort means passing and moving. It means cutting. It means guys have to play off of Tatum. It means that Tatum has to be ready to face double teams. It means that he has to be ready to get blitzed. It means he has to be ready to face a ton of defenses squarely to shut him down. So the net effect of this for the team will be maybe a drop in Tatum's scoring, maybe initially, but he has to be a very willing passer. Like, this has to be something that he's drilled into his head. Pass the ball. When the double team's coming, move it quickly. And it's just got to be swing, swing, swing. You get double teamed, don't wait, don't hold it too long, don't panic. And he doesn't panic like like, like he might have in the past. But the other Celtics have to make themselves available. And he has to give the ball up quickly and make the team pay for double teaming you, which means get it over to Marcus Smart, who swings it over to Evan Fournier. And then that drive moves it to whoever's in the other corner. And maybe that gets it a swing back to Tatum. 
I've talked about that whole give it up, you end up getting it back, maybe in a better position. Tatum has to be ready to play that style of basketball. Tatum cannot go into hero mode and say, I'm going to do this all by myself. Watch me isolate. He's got to do it through quick decisions. If he sees a double team coming, maybe maybe what happens is the, the, the Celtics run pick and rolls and they know Tatum's going to get blitzed, so you start slipping those screens. And instead of setting that pick and Tatum coming around, it's set that pick and go. And Tatum's going to start hitting these guys on the slips and then that guy, it would be probably Tristan Thompson. Maybe it's Grant Williams if they go small. That guy sees the defense collapse on him as he gets into the paint, and then you spray it out to the corners. And that becomes your offense. And then if it's proven that doubling Tatum becomes an impediment to your defense, then they're going to stop doubling Tatum. And then Tatum can do his individual thing. But Tatum has to be quick with the ball, quick with his decisions. Make your move. Don't sit around. Don't play with it. Don't survey the defense. Get the ball, make a decision, and go. And if you do that, then Tatum can dominate. Tatum can drop 40 if he does that because that ball is going to come back to him. And when it comes back to him, that defense is going to be all in rotation and he's going to get open looks. But it's got to be cuts to the basket, movement, preparation for all these different things. Teams are going to blitz the hell out of Jason Tatum. They're going to double the hell out of Jason Tatum. And so the whole team has to be on board, recognizing this, getting to their spots, and playing good basketball. Then that's the thing about great basketball. You see young teams with less talent. When you play great and you do the right thing and you make the right play, you can make up for a loss of talent. And the Celtics can make up for a loss of talent by doing this even though they lose Jalen Brown. Now, it's going to hurt them, especially as they move further and further into the playoffs because the defenses get tougher, the fouls don't get called. But for now, they can make up for the loss, at least in the regular season. They can play four games of stellar basketball, play on a string defensively, move the ball, like I said, on offense. They can win these four games. They can certainly win these four games. But if they don't, they're going to get crushed in these four games. It's going to be a four-game losing streak. They're going to fall to the eighth or ninth seed, and it's just going to be a mess if they don't do that. It's such a still, the, the gap is so wide. Up next, who should really be starting in Jalen Brown's absence? Is it Evan Fournier? Is it somebody else? I'm thinking it might be somebody else. We'll talk about that next. Hey, Rock Auto is a family business that has been serving auto parts customers for more than 20 years. And when you get your auto parts from a family business, they treat you like a member of the family. They don't treat you like somebody who walked into one of those brick and mortar stores in a strip mall where they only have so many things on the shelves. And they're gonna spend a lot of time punching all the information into some computer and giving you a part from a manufacturer, you don't know if that's the best price. You have no idea. If you go to Rock Auto, you can enter that same information that you're reciting to somebody. Just enter it yourself into your own computer, device, laptop, whatever. Search their catalog, which is 
unique, and very easy to navigate. And you can compare all of the prices. You're gonna have a much bigger selection. And one thing that Rock Auto doesn't do is change its prices based on what the market will bear. And they also will not change their prices for pros versus do-it-yourselfers. Neither of those things make sense. RockAuto.com makes sense. So check them out. Doesn't matter how complicated, doesn't matter how simple. I am not rebuilding an engine. That's not me, but I'll go to rockauto.com for wipers and the simple stuff that I can do on my own. Now, my buddy, uh, Jake Madison, on the Lockdown NBA podcast, he hosts Lockdown Pelicans, he is rebuilding an engine. He is rebuilding a car, and he goes to rockauto.com to get all of the stuff that he needs. Everything that you want, it's right there. So go to rockauto.com, and when you do buy something, confident that you'll buy something. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That's how they know we sent you. That's the only way they know we sent you. So please write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box and enjoy saving money. It's an amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. You can use some of that money that you saved to throw a few bucks down on the next game. Because bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You can bet on NBA, obviously. You can even bet on in-game stuff. If you know that the Celtics are down big and you say, okay, I'm going to bet the over on the second half because I know the Celtics are always going to come roaring back, you can do that at halftime on betonline.ag. You can bet on baseball, all the other sports that are out there, UFC, hockey, sports around the world, stuff that's not sports. You can bet on TV stuff. You can bet on current events. All kinds of stuff. So head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sports news, sign up bonuses, contest information. Go and use the promo code Locked On. Locked On will get you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So if you want to drop 200 bucks in there, you'll get a hundred dollar welcome bonus. Whatever you drop in there with the promo code Locked On, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as all of these teams prep for their playoff runs. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Please gamble responsibly. Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. So Boston Celtics do not have Jalen Brown for the rest of the regular season. That's bad um but they will have other players that can step up now who steps up for Jalen Brown who should start I think the conventional wisdom would say you put in Evan Fournier however I'm going to advocate for somebody else because I think Evan Fournier could be Fantastic coming off the bench. And look, the Celtics now are missing high-level talent. And Jalen Brown, being in the starting lineup, would have had Evan Fournier on the bench. The Celtics need to have two scorers on the floor. So you start Kemba Walker. You start Jason Tatum. You're going to have Marcus Smart and Tristan Thompson out there. I like starting Aaron Neesmith. Now, it might seem like an overreaction 
And I wrote about this on Boston Sports Journal. It's going to be publishing early on Tuesday morning. So make sure you go read that because I have more statistics and stuff to kind of explain myself. But I think Aaron Neesmith has shown over the past six games that he has developed a certain awareness about the game. This isn't about him getting hot and hitting threes. This isn't about the blistering numbers of him shooting over 60% from the field and, and hitting a ton of three-pointers and, and really showing why he was deemed the best shooter in the draft when the Celtics picked him. This about Aaron Neesmith is about the feel for the game that he has shown. And it's more about the way he has been able to drive the ball the way he has been able to pass the ball a little bit, and just the little niche that he fits in that starting lineup. With Kemba, with Jalen, and with Marcus Smart. You don't need Evan Fournier out there to get the impact that you get with Aaron Neesmith. And what I mean by that is, Fournier can do a lot And I would rather have Fournier coming off the bench in the first and third quarters to sub out for Kemba or sub out for Jason. And then Tatum comes back in, let's say, because he's usually the first sub out at the six-minute mark. He comes back in for Kemba, and it's Tatum and Fournier with, I don't know, Pritchard and pick your your second string center and somebody else. That, maybe Romeo Langford steps up a little bit. But that I like because you can stagger two of the Celtics' top players and have them in there at all times. But starting the game, Aaron Neesmith, obviously he's a giant ball of energy. He is like a Tasmanian devil. This guy is just insanely energetic. So right off the bat, that energy right away, how can, how can you be on the floor with Aaron Neesmith and not match that energy? It's the first thing that the Celtics need is an energy boost. How can you not want that out there? So he's the energy guy. You have Tatum, obviously, as your primary scorer. Kemba as another primary scorer who has been hot, by the way, himself who's been scorching, and he's kind of back to his old self. By the way, under the radar, under all this crap that we've seen from the Celtics, Kemba's kind of back to his old self. You have Kemba, you have Tatum. Smart does smart things, and hopefully he doesn't try to do too much. Tristan Thompson's going to do Tristan Thompson things, and hopefully he doesn't try to do too much. But in Neesmith, you have a guy who can defend, who has shown he's got high-energy defense, and he's going to, I don't think he's going to screw up. He'll make the hustle plays. He'll go in there and corner crash and get an offensive rebound here or there. And then on offense, he's going to get the ball, shoot, or move. But that's the biggest thing offensively that I've seen. Get the ball, either shoot it, drive it, move it. He's making the quick decisions. So don't try to do too much. Get the ball, shoot it if you're open, 
drive it if the closeout's out of control, pass it if the, if the defender is there. And that's what Neesmith has been doing. That's the thing that is, has made me think that he can, he can function with these guys in a starting role. And yeah, it's going to mean a little uptick in minutes, but it's not going to take minutes away from Evan Fournier. Playing alongside the starters is just going to open things up for Aaron Neesmith. And he's going to be able to play in the wake of all the attention given to these guys. Who are you going to double off of when that's your lineup? You can try to double off with Smart, but he's he's a good player that will drive it. And if he's under control, he'll make you pay. Maybe you're going to dr- you're double off the rookie. That's that's the obvious place to double off of. Just leave the rookie a little bit. Now, obviously, the score the the, the scouting report is going to say you know, he's a shooter, so be careful. But I think that he's a prime candidate for his guy to sag and help off because you're not going to trust a rookie to make all of those plays. I do like the awareness. I think the game has slowed down for him. And that's, that's, that's what makes me comfortable in saying this. Four months ago, I wouldn't have said start Aaron Neesmith. It would have been insane. But the way he's shown that he sees the game, the energy that he provides Put that in the first five, six minutes of the game. That gets the Celtics started. Fournier comes in. He plays his normal 30-plus minutes, 34, 35 minutes. Run him for bigger stretches. And then Fournier becomes a closer. You don't have to close. Just because you start Aaron Neesmith doesn't mean you close with Aaron Neesmith. You can close the final five minutes of the fourth quarter with Fournier. You sub him in, you, you sub him in six minutes at the six minute mark. You play him over the break. You sub him out at 10. You bring him back in at seven. You give him a few minutes and then boom, you let him play the rest of the game. He still gets his minutes. Doesn't cost him anything. And in fact, maybe he gets to, to be more of what he has been in Orlando more of a primary guy and not as secondary and he can just feel more comfortable doing more things. So I'm, I'm going, I'm going with start Aaron Neesmith. I don't know that it's going to happen, but I think that there's, there's something there to starting Neesmith for Jalen Brown. It's not unusual to see someone off the bench. Brad's done it a lot. You bring in Shemi Ojale or Grant Williams those guys started Gerald Green a few years ago in the playoffs. Those types of things can have some positive impact. So, again, I have a piece like that, a uh, piece on that covered um, what I think about Aaron Neesmith on Boston Sports Journal. So make sure you're reading that. On, um, it's publishing in the morning, Tuesday morning. If you're new to the podcast, I want to thank you for checking the podcast out. If you're checking out for the first time on YouTube, please subscribe. Would love to have you come, coming back. We're up to, we're slowly building. Launched this a couple of weeks ago. We're up to over 400 subscribers. So let's try to double that in the next couple of weeks. It'd be awesome. Uh, really appreciate the support, the comments, lots of good feedback. Uh, thank you all very much. Hey, by the way, tune into the Locked On Today podcast. Make sure you're downloading that today on the podcast. Do the New York Knicks have what it takes to go on a playoff run? 
talking NBA with Peter Bukowski. Get all of the sports that you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow Locked On Today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. It's the same thing you can do with the Locked On Celtics podcast. And subscribe on YouTube, like I said, and share. Tell everybody that they should be listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.